if you have your Bibles tonight, go ahead and turn over to the book of Numbers. We're going to be talking about the greatest failure of the Old Testament. The greatest failure of the Old Testament. And there could be a lot of uh, people we could probably talk about that fit this description. In fact, I was talking to Ross right before, and he mentioned Adam and Eve. And I actually had that in my notes. You might be thinking Adam and Eve. Because Adam and Eve did partake of the forbidden fruit. The one thing God told them not to do is the very thing that they did. And they were cast out of the garden. Sounds like a pretty big failure to me. But that's actually not who we're talking about tonight. You may have thought David as the greatest failure in the Old Testament. Because he made a huge mistake in committing adultery with Bathsheba. And not only that, he put Bathsheba's husband Uriah on the front lines of battle to be killed. Huge mistakes. But that's actually not who we're talking about either. Maybe you thought about Solomon, David's son, who had all the riches and wealth anybody could ever want and more, really. And yet he allowed his riches and his wives to turn his heart from God. And we really don't know a whole lot about what happened to Solomon, but uh, some believe uh, Ecclesiastes can enlighten us on that. But that's something for another study. We're not talking about him either. Who we're talking about tonight is a, a rather lesser-known character, but one I think we can glean some really important lessons from, and that's a man named Balaam. Balaam. I've also heard him referred to as Balaam, but we're going to go with the, the easy pronunciation, Balaam. Um, Balaam is who we're going to be talking about tonight. And again, he may be a, a lesser-known figure in Scripture, but he made some, some big mistakes, and I think we can learn some really valuable lessons from Balaam here, and that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. So if you have your Bibles, go over to Numbers chapter 22. That's where we're going to start tonight. We're not going to have these verses on the screen because we've got a lot to read, and so we're just going to go straight from the text here. Let me kind of catch us up to where we are so you can understand uh, kind of what's going on, the, the context of the passage. Israel is on their way to conquering, uh, trying to get to the promised land and to, to you know, conquer the promised land. But they're not there yet. They're traveling and they're trying to make it to the promised land. And on their way, they defeat uh, a man named Sihon, king of the Amorites, and another man named um, Og, king of Bashan. So Sihon and Og are destroyed, their kingdoms, by uh, Israel. And they conquer Sihon and Og and their kingdoms and, and whatnot. And then we get into chapter 22. Israel keeps traveling along on this road to get to the promised land. And what they end up doing is they settle in the plains of Moab. That's kind of the scene for this entire text that we're going to get into is the Israelites are camping at uh, and settling in the plains of Moab. That's where they are traveling along. And Balak very important character in this story. King Balak is the king of Moab. And he sees Israel. He sees Israel has come and they're settling in his plains in the plains of Moab. And he gets scared. He's scared and maybe possibly thinking that uh, we're next in line to be wiped out by these guys. You know, I've, he, he's heard of what they had just done to Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan. And, and he's heard of how he destroyed them. And now they're settling near his territory or in his territory, and he's worried. He's scared that they might come and attack his people. And that's where we want to pick up in the text and start reading in chapter 22, verse 5, where Israel settled in the plains of Moab, and Balak is worried. King Balak of Moab is worried about this people, this mighty people. So here's where we're going to pick up in verse 5. 
Uh, actually, we'll, we'll go back up to, to verse 4. Uh, and he says this, And Moab said to the elders of Midian, This horde, that's the horde of, of Israel, will now lick up all that is around us as the ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, the son, uh, the son of Zippor, who was king of Moab that, at that time, sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Baor, at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the people of Ammah, to call him, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the earth, and they are dwelling opposite me. Come now, curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them from the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the fees for divination in their hand. And they came to Balaam and gave him Balak's message. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. And God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? And Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt, and it covers the face of the earth. Now come, curse, for, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to fight against them and drive them out. But God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go to your own land, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. So the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. So this is kind of the first scene of the story that we see here. Balak is worried, king of Moab, worried that his people are next in line to be attacked, to be destroyed. And so his thought is, let's call on this na man named Balaam. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Balaam. We do know that he is not an Israelite. He's a Gentile prophet. And it seems that he's well known for his uh, prophecies and his divinations being, being right. Because he says, he whom you curse is cursed and he whom you bless is blessed. So it seems like Balaam is a well-known prophet, a Gentile prophet, although. But Balak knows of this guy, knows of Balaam, and so he calls on him. And he sends him these messengers, right? And these messengers come to Balaam with these fees for divination. They've got money in their hands, ready to give it to Balaam if he will come. And Balaam actually responds, it seems, wisely, right? He says, listen, stay here. I'll get a word from the Lord, and whatever he says, we'll do. And what's God say? God says, no, absolutely not. You can't go with them. You can't curse these people because they're blessed. They're my people, in essence, and you're not going to curse them. That's kind of the first scene that we see. And so Balak's men go back. And they report it to him. Hey, Balaam's not coming, all right? He's not coming with us, so, you know, might as well give it up. But Balak is not giving up. All right, Balak is going to keep trying to get the services of Balaam because he wants Israel to be cursed. He wants Israel to be out of his land and not have to worry about him. And, and he sees his solution in Balaam. So let's keep reading here and now in uh, verse 15. Once again, Balak sent princes more in number and more honorable than these, the ones who had just went before and they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will surely do you great honor, and whatever you say to me, I will do. Come, curse this people for me. But Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the command of the Lord my God to do less or more. So you too, please stay here tonight, that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men have come to call you, rise, 
Go with them, but only do what I tell you. So Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. So again, Balak's not giving up. He's like, I want Balaam's services to curse Israel. So he sends people more in number and, and more in power this time, more prestigious people to Balaam this time. And he's telling him, even giving him basically a, a bribe, like, if you will come, I will honor you greatly. And whatever you want, I will give you. I just need you to come curse Israel. Just come curse this people. And it seems, again, Balaam seems to answer very wisely. He says, listen, even if Balak was to give me all this gold and silver, I, I couldn't go beyond the command of God. I've got to do what he says. I can only speak what God says. But he still invites these messengers to stay. And God this time says, hey, you can go with them if they come to call you. And so Balaam arose in the morning and he ends up going with these uh, elders of, of Moab, or the princes of Moab, that is. Now, we're about to get into a section of scripture that is honestly probably one of the most funny uh, situations in, in the Bible. And I, I personally believe God does have a sense of humor because this, this story right here is, is really funny. Um, and, and I think we can learn some, some good lessons from it. So this is what happens. Balaam ends, up, or Balaam ends up going with these princes of Moab. And let's pick up there in verse 22. But God's anger was kindled because he went, because Balaam went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have made a fool of me, I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey, on which you have ridden all your life long to this day? Is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, No. I don't know if you picked up on this, but Balaam's talking to a donkey. Um, how many of you have talked to a donkey like this? Um, this is so interesting to me. Balaam's talking to a donkey, and, and not just talking to a donkey, it's like it's like a normal conversation. You know, he's not even surprised about the donkey opening his mouth and talking to him. He's just, you, no, I, I've never, you never treated me this way, you know? And I mean, he's just, he's just talking to a donkey like it's normal conversation. I would love to see this. If anybody's seen a movie on this, please tell me, because I'd love to see how this is depicted. But let's go back up just a, a very quickly. In verse 22, it says, God's anger was kindled against Balaam because he went. And now a lot of people at this point say, okay, this is a contradiction. God said that Balaam could go in verse 20. If the men have come to call you, rise, go with them, but only do what I tell you. And then he's mad at Balaam for going. So why does God tell Balaam he could go? And then he's mad that Balaam ends up going. All right, well, number one, it's not a contradiction because we know God does not contradict himself. We know that God is perfect. God does not make mistakes like this. 
Some people like to point out the word if in verse 20. If the men have come to call you, rise and go with them. And what people say is the word if there is if they come and call you, Balaam, in the morning, then you go. But it seems that Balaam just got up and went without being asked again. He just got up and went. That could be it, but I really think there's something else going on here. Because if, you go, if we keep reading down, an angel of the Lord is standing in the way to strike Balaam down. And now this is something interesting as well. Not only does the donkey talk, the donkey has spiritual vision. Right? The donkey can see that this angel is standing in Balaam's way. And so what's the donkey do? The donkey's going off to the right, to the left, crushing Balaam's foot in a wall, just falling down. And Balaam's striking this donkey because he's mad. He's like, why won't you just go? And then that's when the conversation ensues. And uh, they start talking about, you know, the donkey's talking to Balaam. Why have you struck me these times? And, and it's a really interesting situation here. Uh, but I really think that if we, we're going to keep reading here in verse 31. We will see, I think, why God was mad at, at Balaam here. But look at verse uh, 31 now. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse or contrary to me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now, therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went on with the princes of Balak. Balaam could not see this angel standing in his way. But the angel tells him, hey, I'm standing in your way because your way is perverse. Your way is contrary to me. Now, the text doesn't explicitly tell us what exactly is Balaam doing that's contrary. But it seems that there is something, some evil motive in Balaam here. And I, we're going to come back to this here in a few minutes. But something is contrary in Balaam. And that's why God was mad at him. His anger was kindled against him. Because something is going wrong here. Something is contrary to God in, in Balaam's character. And so an angel stands in his way and the donkey prevents him from being killed those three times. And so nonetheless, the angel ends up letting uh, Bala, uh, Balaam go to, with the princes of Moab. And what ends up happening is, is Balaam ends up getting to Balak and they meet up. And I'll just, uh, for, for lack of time here, we'll just kind of sum these, these parts up. But Balaam and Balak finally meet. And what ends up happening is Balak takes Balaam up to these high places where idol worship would take place. And Balak wants Balaam to curse Israel. Balaam can see a portion of the people of Israel. And they build these altars and they offer these sacrifices on these altars. But instead of cursing Israel, what happens is Balaam blesses Israel. He blesses them. And this happens three different times. And Balak gets so mad at him. He's like, I told you to curse these people. And yet you're blessing them? I brought you here to curse Israel, not bless these people. And you keep doing this over and over again. And it happens again three times. Balaam offers these sacrifices and he speaks to God and God gives him a word. And it's a blessing every single time because God's not going to curse his people. God's not going to allow his people to be cursed. And so Balak ends up getting really mad. And then Balaam ends up going back home without a reward. And that's kind of the, 
the end of the story, and that, that's really in uh, chapters 23 and 24. And uh, again, for sake of time, we'll, we'll just move on. The question is, why is Balaam the greatest failure in the Old Testament? Why are we looking at him like this? Because in the text, it seems like he doesn't really do anything wrong, you know? The few t- things that we read about him, he's saying, hey, I can only say what God says to me. I can only say God's words. So why is he the greatest failure? Well, we have to look at other parts of Scripture because, again, the the text doesn't necessarily explicitly spell out exactly what Balaam did wrong, but I think we can kind of see all along what's happening. But other passages tell us, number one, Balaam advised Balak on how to cause Israel to stumble. Balaam actually figured out a way Without cursing them directly, he figured out a way to cause Israel to stumble. And that's really found in Numbers chapter 31. We're not going to go there and read this entire passage. But in Numbers chapter 31, Israel is told to go attack and destroy the Midianites. To utterly annihilate the Midianite people. And they don't follow the rules. They bring back some women and they bring back some spoils from the battle. And Moses takes up issue with them. In uh, chapter 31, verses 15 and 16, here's what it says. Moses said to them, Have you spared all the women? Behold, these caused the sons of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. So the plague was among the congregation of the Lord. If we kept reading in Numbers uh, chapters 23 and 24, right after that in chapter 25, the Israelites start committing adultery and committing idolatry in uh, the matter of Peor. That's what he's talking about when he says the matter of Peor there. It's a situation in which Israel turned their their backs on God and committed adultery and were uh, committing acts of idolatry. And he's saying, why did you spare these women? These women are the very ones that that caused Israel to sin at Balaam's advice. Balaam advised Balak to put a stumbling block in front of Israel. It was because of Balaam's counsel. So Balaam figured out a kind of a backdoor way to get Israel to stumble. Not a direct curse like Balak wanted him to do, but he still found a way to do that. And actually, Jesus makes mention of this in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is talking to these seven different churches of Asia, and he's talking to the church in Pergamum. And in Revelation 2.14, here's what it says. I have a few things against you. Because you have there some who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. Jesus quotes this very situation that we're talking about. Balaam caused Balak or taught Balak to put a stumbling block in front of Israel. And again, the text in Numbers that we read doesn't show that situation happening, but it happened. Balaam taught Balak, hey, here's what you can do to make them stumble. Get them to to worship idols. Get them to commit these acts of uh, immorality. And that's exactly what Balak did, and that's exactly what Israel did. They sinned against God in this matter at Balaam's council. And Jesus takes issue with the church in Pergamum because there's evidently some people who are doing the same thing as Balaam was. They're they're committing these false teachings and, and teaching people maybe to engage in sinful practices and it being okay and Jesus has issue with that but now the question is why why did Balaam teach Balak to put a stumbling block before Israel well I believe the answer is that Balaam was greedy and that's the second thing 
Why is he the greatest failure? Well, he caused other people to sin, but he sinned himself. He was greedy. And we don't get that again explicitly from the text, but we do see in the text that he was promised to be richly rewarded, promised to be honored greatly if he would curse Israel. And so it seems that he couldn't curse Israel directly because God would not allow him. But it seems like he found a back door in order to find that reward. He wanted those riches. And so he found a way back to get that reward, to cause Israel to stumble, to get his riches. And we get that from passages in the New Testament, actually. There are a few passages where it's mentioned uh, in the text of, of, of money. And we're going to read those here right now. 2 Peter 2 15 to 16 says this, Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he received a rebuke for his own transgression, for a mute donkey speaking with a voice of a man restrained the madness of the prophet. In this context, Peter in verse 10 says, he's talking about those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and those who despise authority. And forsaking the right way, they've gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. And so these people who Peter's talking about in his day also are following in the way of Balaam. And, and they are loving the, the wages of unrighteousness. And although Balaam refused money in our text, it seems all along that he really actually wanted it. He really wanted this money. And he was willing to commit unrighteousness to, to get it. And, and so maybe, maybe this is why God was upset with him all along. Maybe that's why God was angry with him all along. Because he saw Balaam's motives. That he wanted these riches. Jude 11, verse 11. There's only one chapter in Jude. Kind of mentions the same thing. This is in the context of, of some false teachers. And Jude says, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain and for pay... They have rushed headlong into the error of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Jude's main message in his book is contend for the faith, fight for the faith. And there's these false teachers who are spreading false teachings. And he's saying you have to keep fighting for the truth. And it seems that some are doing what Balaam did. For pay, they rushed headlong into the error of, of Balaam. And so it seems all along that Balaam wanted riches, that he was, he was greedy. And so Balaam is the greatest failure in the Old Testament, not only because he sinned, but he caused others to sin. It, it, he had, it seems like he wanted those riches and, and he was greedy, but he also caused Israel to sin. He put a stumbling block before the people of Israel. So what can we learn from Balaam very quick? Well, actually, I want to read this one verse because it seems because of Balaam's sins, he was actually killed. In Numbers 31, verse 8, when, when Israel was killing these, the nation to clear them out, the Midianites, it says this. They killed the kings of Midian along with the rest of their slain, Evi and Rechem and Zer and Hur and Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, the son of Baor, with the sword. And so Balaam was, ended up being killed by the Israelite people. So what's the application for us? Well, a couple things we can take away very quickly. Number one, beware of greed. Beware of greed. Again, it seems all along that Balaam wanted a, a reward. He wanted those riches. And our world, folks, is going to tell us, get as much as you can while you can. Get all the money you can while you can. Enjoy life. Be rich. It's, all, it's a lot of fun. 
But money can really truly never make us happy. You know, we're always going to want more and want more. And riches can truly never fulfill us. And that's actually what Jesus says in Luke 12, verse 15. Jesus said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Our lives are not about money and about what we own. It may seem like that from the world, but it's not about that. Our lives are not about riches. It's not about our possessions. There are more important things than that. But it seems that Balaam all along really wanted a reward. And he was willing to do uh, unrighteousness in order to get that. Number two, beware of compromise. Beware of, of compromising your faith. That's what we're kind of talking about here. It seemed that Balaam knew what was right. You know, it, it seemed, we saw him several times say, hey, listen, I can only do what God tells me. I can only say what God tells me to say. And instead of cursing Israel, he, he ended up blessing them at God's words, right? Yet he still did what was wrong. Although he knew he was speaking to God and God was speaking back to him and he didn't end up cursing Israel, he still did wrong. He, he went the, the back doorway, I, I guess we could say, and he figured out how to cause Israel to stumble, to do wrong anyways. And I wonder sometimes if we compromise our faith. I wonder if sometimes we know the right thing to do, and yet we still do the very wrong thing. I wonder if there's sometimes we say, you know, it's not that bad to watch that thing, or it's not that bad to do that thing, or, or to engage in this practice, or I'll just do this one time. Beware of compromise, folks. Because soon enough, when we make one compromise, we'll make another compromise. And we'll make another compromise to the point where it's snowballing and we're just caught up in sin. And it seems that's what Balaam did here. He compromised what he knew was right and he still did wrong anyways. John, uh, John 14, 15, Jesus says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect, but what it means is that we're going to try our best to keep what Christ says. We're going to try our best to do what's in this word. And it seems instead of Balaam listening to God and just walking away from the situation, he tried to find a way to sin, to find a way to make Israel stumble. Let's not be trying to find ways to, to sin. We need to be keeping God's commandments, keeping Jesus' commandments. And finally, beware of false teaching. And this is the only reason I bring this up is because in the New Testament, each time Balaam is mentioned, it's really in the context of false teaching. It's in the context of, of these false teachers who are coming in and trying to follow in Balaam's steps. And I'll point back to the passage in Revelation. Jesus says this, But I have a few things against you, because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit acts of immorality. Evidently, there were some in the church in Pergamum, that's who he's talking to, that were teaching false, falsely and following Balaam's steps and, and maybe teaching people to sin, maybe teaching people wrong things. And we may not think that false teaching is around today, but it is. People are teaching false things all, all around. And we have to beware of that. If anybody is teaching anything contrary to Christ, and especially if anybody's teaching us anything to, to, to sin against Christ, any way to, to go against his commands, we've got to turn from that. And we've got to stand on the truth of the word. And, and I know that's not necessarily in the text that we read in Numbers, but in the New Testament, it always seems that they're following in the teaching of Balaam. 
And we have to beware of false teachers because they are out there. We can learn a lot of lessons from Balaam, and I know we're, we're kind of running out of time here. Um, but I hope tonight that we, we understand that Balaam is a great failure, and he, he, he paid a, a big price for it. He was killed by the Israelites because of, of his sin, because of him causing Israel to stumble. And I hope we'll be on the watch for greed, for compromising our faith, and for the false teaching. If you have any need tonight, we hope that you will come forward. If you, if you want to become a Christian you never have before, we hope that you will. Whatever need you have tonight, please come forward right now as we stand and as we sing.